when Pokemon Red and Blue came out, that was not a big deal for you guys, right? Uh, that was the biggest deal. Really? Okay. I, did, I didn't know, because like, you guys are a few years older than me. So I think Ch- you and Chad are pretty close, aren't you? Should we say our, age, should we say our ages on the podcast so we can't yeah. get like uh, doxxed? Just bleep it. I'm I'm, I'm 33, and, the, and this is mostly public information. I'm 35. I'm fine with people knowing that. Okay. And Paul is 47. Oh, I'm an old man. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was kind of special for me. I didnn't really play it, but my siblings, you know, were in the exact wheelhouse. They're around your your age, Chad. So like, they were in the honey hole for for Pokemon. <laughs> And uh, I, I experienced it through them. Like I picked it up and created this. Could you create more than one save on those? You couldn't, right? No, no. no you okay. Could only get one. I think what I did was. Oh, I remember what happened. You they just got, erased your erased your sibling save. Yes, file I, erased, I erased their mu uh, and missing no files. Uh, no, I think what happened was they were playing it and they were hot on it on blue and red and then yellow came out and i got a copy i got whatever one they didn't want anymore and i started playing mm-hmm. that one so i did experience it um but it wasn't like the the sensation that it probably was for you two i i know like uh blue had its its fangs so in me mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. when i first played pokemon it was it wasn't even my copy it was my my best friend rex like telling me like dude you gotta try this Rex Manning? I no, I would never be best friends with Rex Manning. Fuck that guy. <laughs> good. That was a test, Chad. You passed. Yeah. Uh, Shout out to the only good Rex, Chad's friend. The, Rex. Only, the only good Rex. <laughs> Chad, you had a friend named Rex. It makes much more sense that you named yourself Chopper when you, <laughs> when you went to camp. Rex and Chopper never got to be together in the same room, though. Yeah, I was only ever Chad with Rex. Um, it would have been too powerful, Rex and Chopper. I should see how Rex is doing. You should. Uh, you know, I was thinking the other day about Chopper, your Chopper moment. Real, really? Yeah, I was thinking about you, and I was because I was thinking about Final uh-huh. Fantasy VII, uh, <laughs> and I was thinking about Red Thirteen and how Red Thirteen. You are the Red Thirteen of our group because, like, you're you were like a little a little baby boy, but you were playing a man when you were being Chopper. <laughs> I, right. I I didn't. I never got to that part in Final Fantasy Seventeen. No, Seventeen, Jesus. <laughs> The re uh, the remake with red what's red's uh, like a pretender in the in the remake you, they haven't gotten to where uh, red yeah so he shows up for a second he's like oh Scallon you don't get to play as him but he's a little friend that helps you in the fights in the second one you'll get and I'm assuming they'll talk about this spoilers for Final Fantasy a very old game uh, red thirteen is pretending to be an old man and is talking like an old man in Japanese. Uh, but mm. it, he is actually a a little baby boy. It's true. But he's also a cat. But he's also a he's cat. also a cat. Yeah, that's great. I love that. I love I love Red Thirteen. I remember being like, "Whoa, you can have a cool like talking wolf guy as your party member." This RPG is crazy. I remember flipping through uh, the booklet for Final Fantasy VII and seeing Red Thirteen in there and being like, "What is happening?" <laughs> does Does anyone in Final Fantasy like address the fact that there's a talking cat? Yes. Like it's weird to them, right? Yes. Okay. You should be all over Final Fantasy VII. It's the debut of your boy Nomura. I wait. Nomura didn't do the original seven. Yes. Oh my god, he did. I didn't realize that. that. I just thought he was that- just doing the remake. Nomura didn't lead on seven, but he, this was, so he started out on six, uh, and had a little bit of creative input and he had some creative input on seven. I think probably more than we think because we get a lot of, we get the seed of a lot of Nomura-isms I really don't like. (laughs) Uh, Like what? Like what? (laughs) 
just like overly convoluted plot points. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, there's not that many zippers in seven. <laughs> we that we could see. Oh, the zippers were in their soul. Yeah. The si- you had to really like stare at the pixels to pick out all the zippers that were in there. Yeah. 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 Number yeah, got his uh, start in seven, and then he really had creative control. I think on uh, ten, that was his. That was his uh, debut. Uh, so it's like five in the morning, and um, I, I looked up what Nomura has been involved in. He actually got his start in Final Fantasy IV as a debugger in 1991, and then uh, he did some graphics for Chrono Trigger and Front Mission, and he kind of had a little bit of a hand in everything that Square Enix did. He also did the original story with uh, for Final Fantasy VII with Hironobu Sakaguchi. I really can't be too mad at him, I guess, uh, for Final Fantasy X, because he was just a character designer on that. It appears he didn't really have a whole lot of story in that. Kingdom Hearts is all his. Um, I, I, I kind of wanted to pin all of the stuff I don't like, the sort of maximalist storytelling of Kingdom Hearts that I see elsewhere in uh, uh, Final Fantasy games. I kind of wanted to pin that all on him, but uh, I don't really think I can. Um, so I think I'm going to have to just learn to accept a nuanced opinion of Tetsuya Nomura. So, um, sorry for slandering you, Mr. Nomura. Okay, bye. Those those are all those games, like we said right before the record, like I didn't get to have a PlayStation, so I just read the guides or read the PlayStation magazine about them. I'm like, yeah, this is what it's like. The PlayStation is the only retro console I keep with me is a PlayStation 2. Like, Ugh. it's the only one. I don't really feel the need to replay Nintendo 64 games all that much since, like, mm. Nintendo is pretty good about keeping that stuff uh well, they're in back. Are they? I didn't <laughs> want to challenge not. you, but like, are they? No, no. I, I, th- I thought about it as I was saying. <laughs> yeah, they're good at selling it to you a second time. Or third time. Or fourth time. They won't even let you buy them anymore. Now you have to just rent them. <laughs> I hate the Nintendo online service. It makes me so bad. Chad, you're you're getting the opportunity to buy the game every single month. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only way we'll get Nintendo involved in game preservation stuff is if they do this stupid subscription yep. thing so yep. a playstation 2 slim is the mm-hmm. ultimate mm-hmm. system that you can have in your house in my opinion hell fuck yes yeah it, it is the greatest entertainment console ever created uh and dvds are the ultimate format world-class <laughs> stereo sound on your dvds put pop in your saving private ryan and have yourself a blast can can we talk? Can we actually? Can we talk about formats for a second? There's something sure. I wanted to share with you, boys. Okay. Oh, sure. I love formats. I agree. The PlayStation's a great console. I never got to. Have. <laughs> I went to a movie screening this weekend. I told okay. you a little oh, bit. About oh yes. It. I yeah. Saw, I saw the '90s TM, TMNT ripoff series uh, Warriors of Virtue about five kangaroo men that have the powers of the elements. And <laughs> well, that can be its own conversation. Yeah, which feels like. That that might that might be a camp conversation due to the amount of questions I have. Yes, for you yeah, yeah. We should thing. talk about that in camp. I need to hear all about it because I do not remember that movie at all. Wild movie uh, and cinematographer by uh, same guy who did Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. So it's really fascinating. Incredible. But the theater I went to, I bought money. I spent money to go to a ticket. You know, like oh, I'm buying. I'm gonna go to a theater. I'm gonna see this in a room. It was quote a micro theater. 
which just meant it was in like someone's garage, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of, which was which was kind of charming, but also I was like, oh, this is illegal. This is an illegal operation. That's even cooler. Are you, are you going to report them to uh, for, for <laughs> not to getting better business bureau for not like getting the them? license to Warriors of Virtue? <laughs> <laughs> well, so I was like, it wasn't until I got there that I realized we won't be watching a film version. We are going to be watching the VHS copy of Sick. Warriors of Virtue in the entire theater. Was a VHS store. Okay, I I I discovered the rebirth of nostalgic VHS ownership Uh being a real thing, and I'm a little confused by it because I find VHS to be a very inferior format. Well, I I have to agree with you, Chad. The VHS is a terrible format. Magnets, a single magnet can can ruin it. Like you can get mold in them. There, it's 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 an awful format, and apparently now it's like a rebirth of Zoomers and younger people going like, "Cool VHS is how fun." It's the same vibe I get with the rebirth of cassette tapes, where I'm like, "This is a clearly inferior sound." Like I and I get it's the Brian Eno quote, right? It's like people yeah. appreciate the the artistry trying to burst through the limitations of that, but. But having lived through it and having having <laughs> lived through what ultimately was a big backward step in music and video, right? We had <laughs> we had vinyl and film. Yeah. Beautiful, delightful formats for both those things. Oh, I would argue the peak for both of those in terms of quality. And then we had, for reasons of commercialism and capitalism, we had to take a dip down because the other things were way more mass producible and way cheaper <laughs> to get out to people. And having lived through those times, it's not that good, guys. It's really not the, that the, good. The, the movie started with the – and also I'm realizing I was spending money to just watch someone's VHS on a VCR. Uh-huh. Right? Like, but did what did you get – hold on. So like if I remember correctly, a, a VHS in the 90s would always start with, one, an advertisement for a food chain, two, <laughs> two to three trailers for other children's movies. So what did you get? In your pack. That's a great question, Paul. I don't know if they just fast forwarded past that or what. Aww. They did not have the pre. They, they this place was very clearly into like '90s retro and played a bunch of like Burger King Kids Club commercials and stuff on the TV beforehand. Mm-hmm. But um, until they were just playing it off of YouTube, uh, you know, it was a cool theater. <laughs> Shout out to to Whammy in Los Angeles. It was a cool little micro theater. Sick. But <laughs> but the opening thing on the VHS was. This film has been modified to fit on TV kind of thing. Oh, no. Pan and scan. Your pan and scan is a four by three. I'm like, oh, of course. Yeah, because that's what it was for home theater. But that means I'm not even seeing the full picture of this fucking film with kangaroo men jumping around. Yeah, what? yeah, it's all it's all cut off on the edges, and they spent thirty eight million dollars. For- it's wild. Yeah, I, I will say the the thing that should be enduring about VHS and cassettes is the enterprising spirit of piracy. Oh, beautiful! Yeah, that's true. Sure, sure. Great point, Kevin. Because stealing stuff was <laughs> what made those formats good. Like getting a song off the radio for free with yeah. just a little bit of talking. Yep. Over it. Or uh, getting, like, the VHS passed down from before you were born that you've watched every Christmas with the penguin saying, milk, it does a body good in an advertisement. (laughs) Skidding up at six in the morning to live capture the Beast Wars episodes as they aired so I could have a way to rewatch Beast Wars. Like, that was a special experience. It wasn't better. 
But, you know. But it was yours. But it was mine. I didn't feel like I was playing a Pokemon game of, like, hiding in the bush and gra- grabbing a little monster. Right, it right. Was, it was an event. It was a – definitely VHS was the peak for stealing video, I think. Eventually, I do think that once DVD burners became more prevalent, but that took mm. a really long time. I still haven't figured out how to rip and burn a DVD. Yeah, like, it's, it's st- well, there was like three years where the D- the DVD companies didn't know how to put like protection on them, and you could just grab everything with like handbrake. And then suddenly they started like fragmenting the video. So if you started to rip it, you get like sixty little mini videos. Yeah, yeah they, they were they were smart. They were Netflix crafty. plus a DVD burner in the year two thousand and three. Oh, boy. you had it all. Oh. To clarify for our younger audiences, Netflix used to just let you rent physical DVDs in the mail. And I learned quickly that if you are a power user of Netflix, a.k.a. somebody who literally got the movies in, burnt them the day they came in, and sent them back in that same day, they put you on the back burner pretty quickly, and they slowed you down. I didn't know that. I also did that technique. I didn't know that, that you got throttled. Yeah, you got a little slowed down. It wasn't too bad. I was like, I would... You know, you would get like a DVD in like a day after you put it on your thing, right? Like it would come the yeah. next day or the day after. It, it started getting to be like three or four days after a while, uh, just because I was powering through. <laughs> They're like, "This guy, this guy's going too hard. Slow him down. This guy's gonna die. For his safety, we need to slow him down." Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, I I agree. I think VHS was like the peak of video stealing, and and obviously the mixtape of the cassette tape was beautiful but i think yes. the mix cd was the best the best oh, yeah. piracy of music that that's where that's where my nostalgia cart lives is the mix cd oh the mix cd yeah you know what i can i make one argument for the mixtape because i agree sure. the mix cd was better and i made sure. many a mix cd i even had those like awful custom print labels where you could just like print out a sticker and put it on top yes. and it never fully I had a bunch of like Gundam Wing art on like Incubus mixed t- CDs. Oh, uh, I want to go back to Indiana with you and drive around in your old car with your old CD I'd binder and look my, through my them. old busted Jeep. Uh, oh, but baby. the one thing about the mixtape, I think the one pro it had was that because you couldn't skip forward because it was an inferior format, you kind of had to listen to it. Agreed. Like you could. As opposed to, I have a very traumatic memory of making a mix CD for a girl that I liked, <laughs> putting a lot of time into it, oh, no. sitting in the car with her, and then watching her as she listened to it for like five seconds and went and then skipped to the next song. You dodged a bullet. I know, but I was like, but no, you need to listen to the next ten lyrics. It tells you how I feel. <laughs> Man, the confidence of listening to the mix CD together. That's uh well theoretically this girl would have like her- listened to the whole thing with me and then we would have you know been become boyfriend and girlfriend. No, that's a that's a bomb. The whole point of the mix CD is it's a bomb you drop and you run away. I spit I spit out my drink. <laughs> <laughs> like it's not. If I had the courage to like be next to a person and discuss my feelings about them, I wouldn't have to make them a fucking mix CD. Yeah, about he's it. right about that. But I mean. <laughs> I think there's a lot of audacity. There's the audacity of Chad staying with, with it, staying in the room yeah. with the bomb. And then the audacity <laughs> to skip the song. I know. That's um I know. I, I was like, what do you do? Yeah. You dodged a bullet because they obviously were careless with your feelings. Uh, welcome to Goosebuds. Welcome to Goosebuds. I am Chad. I'm sorry my voice is a little groggy today. I'm coming down from something. You sound nice and gravelly. I'm Paul. I like the sound that, that you have right now. Thank you. I love rough Chad. I'm Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And usually we cover the uh, YA books of R.L. Stein and other 90s books. But today we're doing a little slight detour into the Disney Channel 
Original series, so weird. So weird. I It's so weird. I don't remember this show. This was an interesting one, and I brought it to you two because I really wanted to talk about it. This was a series that uh, premiered on the Disney Channel in 1999 when they did not have a lot of uh, uh, original content. Mm. Yeah. Is this before the big explosion in content that happened in like, oh my God, I hate saying the word content. Uh, you know, real quick, uh, no. side note, <laughs> don't call it content. Anyways, uh, the, the, before they had a lot of uh, a lot of TV shows that they re- remember, they they got into that like that buzzsaw was going in the in the early to mid aughts. Yeah, this is this kind of precedes the Disney Idol phase, yes. like the 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 pre Lizzie McGuire, Hillary Duff. Yeah, yeah. The, the, this predates like the the Disney chosen sacrificial girl phase. Yeah, sure. the fact the factory pipeline to make a pop star <laughs> into yeah, like the Camp Rock, High School Musical, all of those. Yeah. Sort of okay. Yeah, but it would become that in its final season. Oh, okay. So and because well, okay, we'll get into it. I'm not going to start jumping ahead. We'll get into it, but so weird. Is basically this mashup of X Files for kids, um, Scooby Doo, like family drama, and uh, like like Goosebumps is obviously there. Like it, it's a contemporary of the Goosebumps TV show, I yeah. guess. Mm-hmm. A Canadian television production. <laughs> well, it was filmed partially in Toronto, but it's like a Canada Hollywood sort yeah, of. Yeah, this episode took place in Chicago, and I didn't think that was Chicago. It's Vancouver. No. It's Vancouver, uh, which is the the Hollywood of of uh, well, Toronto. I guess you could say is the Hollywood, but I would say I would argue Vancouver is the Hollywood of of Canada. <laughs> it's the Hollywood of people who don't want to spend too much money. <laughs> except except now they're in Vancouver and they're spending a ton of money. Whoops. <laughs> But so weird. I remember. Um, I remember really, really liking so weird. Uh, catching a few episodes here and there. Uh, my sister was really, really into it. But uh, like after it aired, there was no like DVD. There was no. Mm. Uh, there, there was no like re-release. They barely replayed the episodes at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it kind of fell into obscurity. And it was kind of, kind of this ultimate like, hey, do you remember this show or shows you might not remember or whatever? Sure. And then. Uh, 2019 Disney Plus launches and so weirds in the original lineup, I guess. Uh huh. 20 years, yeah. 20 years after its initial release, it comes back. Yeah. So, um, if you're interested in the history of so weird, and I, I hope, I hope I inspire more people to watch so weird because I do think it's really, really good. Just based on this first episode alone, like I'd like to rediscover the series. But if you're interested in like the history and stuff and why Henry Winkler is attached to this project. Henry? Yeah, I saw I that saw, name. I saw he was in a later episode and he's also an EP. I was like, I wish we had kind of watched that episode. I love me, I love me some Winkler. I saw his name pop up after the credits and uh, 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 spoiler, I enjoyed this episode a lot. I love this episode i love pilot episodes of many things i just like watching pilot episodes and seeing like mm-hmm. the seed of like what a show is going to become i also love this episode so much yeah i was blown away and i saw henry winkler and i said what can't that man do <laughs> winkler don't miss winkler don't miss his uh production company fair dinkum productions an australian uh <laughs> phrase for when something is a good deal fair dinkum mate fair dinkum <laughs> But he's not Australian. I know. I don't know why he has that as his thing, but it's He's a worldly man, all right? (laughs) (laughs) If if you want to know more about So Weird uh, and and like some some more of the facts behind it, uh, check out Behind the Magic on YouTube. Uh, They did a really good sort of uh, explainer on So Weird. Uh, I I also enjoyed this episode. You know, Paul, you said you didn't remember this when Kevin's Justice. I've never heard this. 
of this show and remembers. And as soon as that theme song hit, mm. it was like an old friend came back. I knew yeah. that. I knew it immediately. I'm like, oh, that's where that's from. This theme song fucking rips. It does <laughs> rip. It is so good. And uh, Jermaine, to our opening conversation, uh, I think I might have just been a little too old for mm-hmm. when this show came mm-hmm. out in 1999. I was just entering high school uh, status. So I think I was probably just a little out of the window. So that's probably why I missed it. But anyways, this song, here's what's beautiful about this song. It rips. Uh, mm. There's a little flirtation with a riot girl sound. I feel at the end of it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the the folk rock is like it wasn't even it was it wasn't a pop sound at the time. No. in the in the 90s. But if you were a 90s kid and you were growing up with cool parents, I guess like you'd hear that kind of folk rock grunge kind of sound. Right. She's like a Liz Fair type, right? Yeah. Like a mom I was, gonna, is I was gonna say a little bit harder Cheryl Crow, maybe. Yeah. Maybe I was gonna there. say maybe a bit of a Joan Osborne. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless of who she was inspired by, Lilith Fair, uh, headliner for sure, or at least side stage. Yeah, so I think that's really cool that in so this is uh, the theme song is sung by uh, Molly the actor. Phil, yeah. the actor, yeah, uh, who we haven't said this yet. You know, this the main framing device was so weird is that uh, a main girl uh, Fee mm. it runs a website about paranormal stuff, but she lives on a traveling tour bus with her brother her uh her roadie her roadie's son uh mm. and their friend and then her mother who is like a i guess kind of a somewhat famous rock star so mm. her own songs are are diegetically in the show yeah, yeah. and she sing in her so her mom <laughs> sings this theme song about her awesome daughter who walks through flame and ice <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can I, can I read the lyrics? I'll, yes, I'll just, please, you know, please. Spoke, spoken please. word version. I'm not going to sing it. Demons come from every side. In the darkness is the light. Out of the shadows of my life. In the darkness is the light. In the darkness is the light. Surrender will win the fight. This girl's walked on fire and ice. Two things I, that are difficult to walk on. <laughs> I just want to say. <laughs> but I come out on the other side. Of paradise. Paradise. Dude. <laughs> the dichotomy. Chills. The 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 uh duality of those lyrics of, of mm-hmm. fire and ice, of darkness and light, of victory and defeat together, the yin and the yang, <laughs> beautiful. It, it it evokes like a like a like a, ser- a more serious show, honestly. Like I mean, I, this was a pretty like mature episode. But again, f- for Disney and yeah. for what this is, what demographic was, this is more of a like supernatural type show or something seeing Mm. what came before in are you afraid of the dark in uh goosebumps and what would eventually come later in television shows now i'm not saying all uh, disney did have a good run where i think they were making respectable content (laughs) i almost said it again (laughs) again, i almost said it again content is what the business people call it when they're filling their hopper up with things to sell to you don't call it content just just consume content and get excited for more content (laughs) call it shows you're not a business person buying content for your network. You do not need to call it that. I'm sorry. I'm upset about this. Uh, oh, you're my favorite content creator. <laughs> oh, God. I, we, we're all, we all call it that. I'm not trying to judge anyone for saying that. Anyways, uh, this show is so respectful. I think this show is respectful to the kids' intelligence. Sadness. Sadness. Like, I don't, after, after like 9 11, I don't think we were allowed to make kids sad anymore. No. <laughs> 
I'm I'm surprised at how much they got into this show. Me too. They, like the the censors after 9/11 said they that these children had felt the big sad. We do not. We cannot show them any more sad. They will push this country over the edge. <laughs> do not sadden these children further. <laughs> Little did they know that a little thing called emotional hardcore was on the horizon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kevin, I love that. <laughs> I love the I love the intro uh we get where it's like, okay, so we we get in the darkness, big powerful like intro song already, like we're like, okay, let's let's see some cool like Bigfoots UFOs. And we start with an explainer on uh, Chicago's Eastland, yes. Eastland, Eastland disaster, which the Eastland was a boat uh, that sank, uh, that killed, that killed almost a thousand people, killed like 844 people. Shades of the molasses disaster in Boston. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't know if I know the molasses disaster. I know the, the Chicago- we've, talked about, we've talked about the Boston molasses flood before, right? I don't know. I mean, it sounds like, you know what it sounds like in my head? The the really dark, horrifying version of, you know, when like 90s uh, food commercials would be like, the cheese factory exploded. Yes. There's too many cheese blasters. It sounds like molasses candy had an explosion, but people died. That's pretty precisely what happened. Yeah, it's, it's, there's a more like work union safety sort of uh, For sure. expla- explanation to it. But yeah, but. Basically, they put a bunch of molasses in a tank graded for water, and it exploded. and And it, the the tank burst in Boston, and people drowned in hot molasses in in a very painful and scalding way to die. Yeah, and it's like it's like one of those disasters, though, right? That is kind of quieted, yeah. right? It's not really talked about. Like the Chicago, like they talk about in this intro, the Chicago fire is what everybody knows, but yeah. there are other disasters that have been lost to time. Yeah, and it's we're talking about duality. Like the Chicago fire is like a is like a fire death, and the Eastland is actually like a water death. We'll get to. Oh yes. We'll, oh we'll my God! To. Fire yeah. and ice. Yeah, dude. Mm-hmm. Fire and feet and pre ice. <laughs> yeah, we get like this like kind of Ken Burnsy little explainer with Fee narrating about the Eastland disaster, and then we get this sort of uh, sweeping view of Fee's room. And I don't know if you guys picked up on this, but I think the kid likes science. <laughs> she like she has like a chart explaining UFO shapes. Like it's she's so she's so moldery. It's incredible. But there's also some really nice. There's a nice pan across a picture of a father holding his daughter during this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's some good stuff. So you watched this two times. Did you did you notice that on your second viewing? Because I noticed that on my second. I viewing. think I I picked up on the hold on it in the first, but th- you obviously know the context for it once you've watched it once. Yeah, so yeah, and yeah. you wouldn't. Um, it should like trip a a a thing for you because you wouldn't expect a tween or teen to have a pic uh, like their own baby picture on their wall. Like right. that would be an age where you'd find that kind of thing embarrassing. Mm-hmm. So we we learn the dad's dad. We learn, we, learn we do find dad out the dad's dad. <laughs> to, to to their credit, they do it more mature and darker than normal. I mean, I think it's a trope at this point for most kids' entertainment to be like single parent. Right. Um, mm-hmm. For for many reasons, but that seems to be a common thing. This is instead like, yeah, your mom is – your mom's a single mom, but like we're going to talk about your dad being dead and gone. Mm. And the, the it seems like the – either the theme of this episode or I'm going to guess the entire season is, you know, is Fee trying to process her grief about her dad through the paranormal? There's sure a lot like. of like – her yeah. believing in ghosts, or there, there's something on the other side, 
Mm-hmm. Without saying that line, I really appreciate it. There was sub- subtext about, mm-hmm. you know, because that's where dad is, uh, as opposed to her brother saying, no, when you die, that's it. Everything's gone. Yeah, and we'll get to that part. That part, I think, is one of the best parts of this episode. Again, I think it is very respectful of kids' intelligence and uh, the the subtleties with which they treat this this subject matter, I think, are, are pretty good. Like, maybe for an adult, it's not quite as subtle as we would like in, like, a prestige television show, but I think it, for a kid's show, it's uh, it's pretty incredible. I also think subtlety is overrated sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. I, I'm thinking of Garth Marenghi's great quote, uh, I know writers who use subtext and they're all cowards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. It's incredible. <laughs> I, I, there's no subtext in the fact that this girl likes aliens, science, uh, the the occult and paranormal, uh, because we pass through her room, land on her at her laptop, running her website. So weird. The website. Yeah. Uh, fees. So weird. Uh, where it is a forum slash, um, yeah, repository yeah, of knowledge. This is, this is that era of websites where you didn't, you almost could just let it be a landing page for everything. I'm sh- this is one of those web pages that definitely had a guest book. Oh, without a yeah. doubt. Yes. I, I, I love how the internet is treated in this, and it's a moment uh, that brings you back to the beauty of the early internet when things weren't so instant. She goes to this, uh, her own website, to talk to her community to get knowledge about about creatures. The fact that you spell it out like that just makes me think about how far the internet has fallen. <laughs> it, 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 like it, exactly, she has to in the and we'll get to it, but she she has to put a line out and she's like, well, close the laptop and I'll come back to this in a in another twelve hours when the when the when the answers are in. And I thought about now. You would put that shit out on Twitter and then probably be getting instant responses, right? And right. there'd be no wait. And like, this is nice because it's like, well, <laughs> people are going to consider their responses. <laughs> they're going to, they're going to carefully uh, craft responses to her, probably, maybe. I don't know. That's what I'm, how I'm reading it. Well, nowadays you'd put like a Reddit thread, but then the first kind of comments would be like, why did you just Google it? Or uh-huh. like, no, you dumb fucking idiot. Yep. This is, there was a, there was a little bit of a kinder conversation. Sure. I, I, I was really impressed with her her website because yes, it's it's relatively truthful, like accurate to a website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of, of the time. Yeah, of the time. The only thing I'd maybe be like question on is that at one point early on, her brother sends like a prank animated <laughs> GIF of like him coming out of a UFO or something. Or it's like a flash video. He did some great flash yeah. work there. Yeah, because he's like calling her a nerd at the same time he just like messed around in Macromedia Player or uh-huh. something. So he's, I think he's the nerd if he did that. But Well, Clue probably helped him do it. So yeah. uh, <laughs> J- Jack and Clue, uh, you may know those actors from the Disney Channel original movie Brink. Okay, Brink. okay. I knew That's I recognized. He's the, the lead of Brink and the best yeah. friend of Brink. Yeah, they're they're great in this. I Clue is like my favorite character. He's he's just Shaggy from Scooby Doo. Yeah, but like <laughs> no, that's really it. He's just Shaggy from Scooby Doo, but he's great. He's got uh, I I instantly found affinity for him because he kind of reminded me of like Uncle Cody from Step by Step. You know, like he kind of had those like mm. those brain dead '90s surfer vibes, but <laughs> yeah, but with an extremely kind heart and extreme empathy and uh, and emotional awareness and knowledge, because he is the first thing we hear is they're playing music, so we just assume mm-hmm. brother brother playing music in other room, and it, and he yeah. comes in to interrupt her uh, her research, um, and Clue comes in behind him and is like, look, I like, and he's like, he's aware that like 
it was going to bother her. And he's like, he's like, dude, we should have been like nicer to your sister. And he's like instantly wins us over with his kindness towards her. Yeah, he's just a sweet boy. He's just a sweet dum-dum. Yeah, he's a himbo, except he's skinny. I, I, I actually, I really love this dynamic of being on this traveling bus because his dad is the lead roadie. Yeah. So it creates this inadvertently kind of like, you know, uh, family without being related. Found, yeah, like family. a found family or chosen family situation. And I, and yeah. that's the, be- I think a great moment in this is we are dropped into this room seemingly as if it were a children's room in a house. The brother mm-hmm. comes in and the friend comes in. Again, we still feel like we're in a house. And then the whole thing shakes and the yeah. bus takes off. You think we- it's a paranormal moment when the, when the whole, when the whole room shakes and everyone lurches and then we get an outside shot of the bus. And then we get an outside side of the bus and then you're like oh my god this is incredible we're on the road this is a freaking road show we can go anywhere (laughs) this thing can be anything and and every week this can change and instantly the possibilities open up and this show becomes incredibly exciting within the first five minutes in my opinion it's really cool i remember this being almost annoyingly exciting as a kid because i had many questions one how does she get internet in the van <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> she runs a broadband network cable like all the way to the nearest coffee shop. Because I only great. had dial-up. Like, That's a great the, point, Kevin. That's a great point. In 1999, I couldn't conceive of like, how do you get the internet? DSL, baby. Yeah. No, I only know about DSL because my uncle had it because he lived in the woods. So he had to have the uh, dish, dish internet. You almost have to kind of just like let it ride because also Fee's room for a tour bus is very nice. Like, oh yeah, it is a full bedroom room. There's no way it's like a car length wide or less than a car length wide. It's 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 really nice. Uh, but I'll allow it. Like, it's fun. It's I'd rather have more information about her as a character than have things be like <laughs> mathematically perfect for a tour van. Uh, I said DSL by the way. What I meant was satellite internet, which was available at the time, but it was very slow and crappy from what I remember. It's almost definitely that because I do like that we see the images like scroll loading. Yeah. Oh, the classic fifty six k top to bottom load. Yeah, it's just a. It's just a thing you don't see anymore. A simpler time. One thing you mentioned about the the website I thought was really interesting too is yeah, it, you know, halfway through the episode, Fee needs to get some more insight into what is this possible ghost I've seen. She talked about mm-hmm. the ghost, but she goes to her website, her own database. She's the webmaster, right? And like you said, she puts out a link. That means that she is running a website with like active users yeah yeah and like that's pretty impressive as opposed to every website i ever made when i was that age was here's my gundam wing fan site no one reads it but me oh absolutely <laughs> but v proves to us that uh you know she has a moment coming up very soon where you can see that she's very competent in what in not only her knowledge of this stuff but also her investigative abilities are very competent uh, and she's unafraid of adults she finds herself to be a peer of adults not a uh not a child. Shades <laughs> of Desdemona from a uh, script that I read of Chad's at one point. Wow. Wow. What a compliment. Very proactive character. So uh, to, to set this up, we see the bus take off and they arrive the next day in Chicago at the venue. Mm. Ned, the uh, lead roadie and also tutor of the children, 
uh, makes a remark about it not being which. Uh, what stadium does he say? Um, Dodger Stadium. He's not, it's not Dodger Stadium. And she says, "You say that at everything." And he's like, "Yeah, because none of them have been Dodger Stadium yet." Uh, <laughs> pretty funny. <laughs> pretty good line. I love Ned that. Is great. I love that he has perfect delivery on every line. He's such a good actor. He plays Ox King in uh, Dragon Ball. Yes, Z. his name and his name is is sick. It's David. David quote Squatch Ward. He kicks ass. I love that he's Ox King. Yeah, man. <laughs> He's cool. David Squatch is cool. Uh, And I think to your point, Kevin, I think the acting in this is very good. Like there's obviously some Mm. moments that are a little, uh, little, you know, flimsy. But like, I think overall, the kids do a great job. The brother Jack shows incredible range in this episode. Yeah, he's great. At this point, he had already been on Broadway, I guess, like and he and, you know, he'd done a few movies. So but like he's just you can you you kind of get that like musical theater presentation from him yeah i think but he's so emotive and like I, I do love that he's presented in a mostly antagonistic light uh when he's interacting with fee mm-hmm. but then like when his mom pulls him aside he's much different but we'll 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 get there uh uh we we do meet ned who's great um god we meet uh we, we learn that they have to scrape the bugs off the like one of their chores they have to do is they have to scrape the bugs off the front of the tour bus yep bug mm-hmm. duty or trash duty yep <laughs> Uh, and and they very quickly. I I love this. Was these kids are going to have somewhat of a normal education, which I assume doesn't happen for most kids who live uh, in the entertainment industry. I really like, really appreciated this scene because you're because it's a yeah. question that parents would ask, but kids wouldn't ask. Like that you could omit this right for the kids, mm. but they're like, no, it's important that these kids learn. Like you know, like these kids are they're not living a traditional life, and they need to they need to be taught. And I love that Ned, the roadie, a, a classic archetype of the road who typically is the person who uh, is probably as drunk as the rest of the band sleeping until <laughs> they have to load heavy stuff and then passing back out uh, after everything is, you know, like it's like sleeping and like probably being like, you know, kind of a layabout otherwise when they're not doing their heavy lifting and whatnot uh, is a very responsible guy and lays out that the kids have to do an eight to 10 page essay on the history of Chicago, which Cody has a great line, eight to 10 pages. Who would keep writing after they get to page eight? Incredible. <laughs> Cody, not Cody, sorry, Clue, 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 a.k.a. Uncle Cody. (laughs) Incredible, uh, incredible logic there, Clue. You're speaking my language, my man. Yeah, yeah. Clue is the type to be like, oh, it's not long enough. Let's try, like... Double point one spacing. Uh huh. And well, they they try, they try to. Well, go ahead. Paul, they please. they try to get one over on Ned. So you see where the where the kind of like affable, simple dude uh, vibes come from for Clue, in that they try to get one over on on their old their old dad Ned by being like, <laughs> "Oh, you look tired, man. Like you've been really working so hard. You know, you've been hustling." And he plays along, lulls them into <laughs> him thinking that they got him, and then and then swipes the rug out from under them at the last second he's like yeah it'd be really good to relax while i'm reading your papers you know get get to it and uh-huh. like, cool this, there's a little bit of a discipline here these kids are there there's like there's the, the rules for them are very cool like it's it's both a freedom that i would probably felt very uh wanting to be to myself as a watching it right like that sort of mm. i want to have that life yep you know i think at one point um uh fee's mom She's like, I'm gonna go on get on stage in an hour, but like, just make sure you're back on the bus by ten. Mm-hmm. Like, 
Cool. Like what a, a res- trusting parent, but also still got some rules. I love it. Yep. Yeah. The, the kids have so much freedom that it's like kind of nice to see the, the rules as a kid. Otherwise you'd be like, this is completely unrealistic. The, these adults, like they just let them do whatever they want. Why can't I do whatever I want? Uh-huh. Yeah. The balance of freedom and like regular life stuff is really cool just because you get to see how they live. And I, and after this uh, school scene, we see uh, Fee and Jack's mom who I, I didn't write down her name. She um, doesn't get a lot to work with. Uh, Irene Bell is. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Molly Phillips. Are you talking about uh, Molly? Theater. Yeah. So Irene Bell is uh, Ned's wife, who we also see in this episode. She only gets like two lines, though. Yeah, she's uh, she's the manager yeah. of the of, of the band. I think. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Fee's mom is uh, played by Mackenzie Phillips, the who we already mentioned, sung the theme song uh, and other songs in it. She's she's doing great. I loved her in this. Yeah. Yeah, I love this scene where she pulls Jack aside and she's like, "Hey, yes. how yes. do you think we're doing?" Because it's such a heavy like scene. It's it's her putting Jack in like a way more adult position than we've seen him. Because mm-hmm. you know he was just like teasing his sister in the last scene we saw him, but now he has to be like the man of the family. He has to be like a, a sounding board for uh, Molly and like. You know, he's like, he's like, we're doing great. Like, you know, this is like, this was a good decision. And like, your reviews are great. Even though one guy called out how old you are to be a rock star. Uh-huh. Brings up how his mom had like did advertising for a few years. And it was weird to see her in a suit. Like, it's a great little scene where you get like a nice little catch up. It's like, it's a good, it's good for like bringing the audience up to speed in a non, uh, in a, in in a natural sort of way, just to have Molly kind of be nervous and doubting herself. Right. Well, yeah, I, I, I love that. It was about Molly. And also it was about like, hey, let's talk about Fee. How is she doing? Like, I, mm-hmm. it, I don't know. Just for the main character of the show to not be in there and having more of an adult conversation, it really matured it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great moment. And then we move on to her, you know, doing her sound check. And now we get our first truly creepy moment, which is they're, they're setting up. Um, Fee is uh, just digging into the owner of the venue because there's been creepy things happening there mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. we get we get like a crying kid sound and like some dutch angles yeah the crying <laughs> kid happens first i'm sorry so like the sound everything drops out but the sound of a child crying is just going through the whole building uh while all the power is out nothing is plugged in um to which we find out uh, the owner of the venue says there are creepy occurrences all the time in this place and uh fee dives in she wants she wants all the information she's following after this guy she's not afraid or intimidated by him in any way uh (laughs) she's ready to investigate uh and we're left off uh with with that little bit of of information i i I like how low budget creepy everything is yeah in in this episode Mm -hmm. a lot of this almost has a pete and pete vibe Yes, I got that too. Mm. I absolutely got that. Where it's all extremely location based. Mm-hmm. It's pretty tame in terms of like what are the scares too. It's not. I don't know if it's a particularly scary episode. But well, it's still like a. I agree, fun. but I think like the ghost cry is pretty creepy yeah. sounding. Like I think it's like they do a lot with sound in this that I think works really well for me. There's another moment. I think the scariest moment in the scene in the show. Uh, of release this episode um, towards the end of the episode is purely sound that does it and we'll get there um, yeah I think I know what you're talking about yeah it's a, it's a creepy moment so uh, Fee goes out to uh, like do some ghost hunting on her own uh, she brings a, a camera and she starts like walking through these halls and her big gulp do not forget she's got <laughs> 
She's got her big old cup of soda for energy. God, nothing made me want orange soda. Oh my goodness. <laughs> for whatever reason, more than 90s cartoons. Like, orange soda was so heavily marketed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keenan and Kel were really pushing that. Yes, they were. Yeah. It's the good stuff. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, I haven't had an orange soda since I'm since since I'm a man now. I, I haven't had <laughs> orange soda since I became a man. Obama said to put away childish things, and you just you just poured all your orange soda out. I remember when Obama said that to me, and I found it kind of hurtful. <laughs> <laughs> when did Obama say to put away childish things? Oh, that's just a quote he said one time. What? <laughs> Well, it, it comes a time to put away childish things. Is that him? Yeah. But he didn't complete the quote, which was like the need to put away childish things. Yeah. One of my favorite subversions of that is uh, there's like a someone did uh, there's like a web comic where someone's moving and it's like you know now that I'm moving out of my college dorm, uh, I found it a need to put away childish things, but I took them all back out when I unpacked. I love that. <laughs> I fucking love that. <laughs> I do. I do want to clarify. I just quickly googled it. I guess Obama didn't create that phrase. No, it no, no. From it, it is technically a paraphrase of from First Corinthians of the Bible. So, and Lewis Carroll famously, uh, that's the subversion that I always liked, which was when I became a man, I put away childish things, including the fear of childishness and the and is the desire to be very grown up, which was always my favorite. Uh, Damn, that's much better. Me. Yes, I, I always, love this. I always love that refrain. I really like this tangent. That was very educational. <laughs> See, you, you listen to Goosebuds for political history, for insight into lost media. This this podcast has it all. Teachers, do you want to bring Goosebuds into your schools? <laughs> this is where we're announcing Goosebuds in the Classroom, our affiliate program where we will bribe you to play these episodes during class. Sign up at goosebuds.edu. Yes. Yes, we own the VHSs. No, we do not own the licenses. But yes, we are willing to play them without the license fee. We will send you this episode on VHS. No, there's no video. It's just a blank screen, but you could listen to the audio coming from the TV set. (laughs) I love sending them a blank video and then being like, but start up our podcast on uh, Spotify.com when you're you're ready to listen. (laughs) And then just, you know, go have a smoke. Chill out for a bit. Take a break. You earned it. Uh, So... Fee sees a ghost. She sees a a little a little wet boy. A wet boy. She sees. She runs into a wet boy. Yeah, a Kevin, wet boy. you said a wet boy in my notes. I said, uh oh, a wet boy. <laughs> <laughs> Always bad news when you see a wet boy. If you see a wet boy, run. If you see a wet boy, get him a towel. He's cold. He's dressed old timey Chicago fancy. Mm-hmm. No jacket. It's important. He's just wearing a vest. He's wet. And he runs away. And if he's like, I gotta chase that wet boy. And she tr- tries to run him down. But he disappears into a, a seeming dead end. Uh, where she sees this uh, wet patch on the wall. It may- mayhaps even some ectoplasm on the wall. S- perhaps. That's what I guessed. Yeah. Yeah. Is this where for a second she kind of gets like a second sight and can see through the wall for a moment? That's, that's a little later. Okay. But things happen kind of quickly after this. Fee goes back to her family and is like, I saw a ghost. And she's like, why was he wet if he died in the Chicago fire? Mm-hmm. And her brother, who's still giving her a hard time, is like, maybe he didn't die. Maybe he drowned in your orange soda. Got her. But uh, file that away, listener, because <laughs> maybe he did drown. The fact that he says maybe maybe he drowned in your orange soda is actually a subtle little uh infusion of connective tissue that does bubble up later on for fiona Whoa. Ooh, nice Whoa. Use the word bubble Whoa. 
that, that was that was both insightful and and a, a, I guess wordplay. So enjoy. You're welcome. Put us in your schools. <laughs> uh, so Fia's a little Fia's a little freak out of her family and says, "I don't care if you believe me." She storms off. Her mom tries to console her, being like, "Working on your website, huh, sweetie?" Like I love how her mom doesn't really understand. Yeah. Like the the whole website thing, she's just kind of supporting, supportive. She's a uh, an alternative um, entrepreneur, and she understands yeah. that uh, that these little burgeoning tastes and and uh, and uh, recreations are good for Fee, so she supports them like a good mom. I remember liking this because their mom was so alt, yes. and like my mom's pretty alt, so yeah, <laughs> it was it was like oh cool, a non traditional mom in. Uh, in media she's a pretty good mom she has a failure of a line in this scene here where she approaches her which we'll get to well, yeah what is it do you, you take it up Paul? i don't remember she sits down to ask her about you know her her website and uh feet says that she's been reaching out about chicago fire ghosts she's not getting any anything like what she saw today uh and she's like you believe me right mom and then mom fails a little bit right here where she says i believe that it's important to you which is the most uh she just takes a, it's a little bit of a cop out uh and i kind of liked it i kind of yeah. liked it as a a way to not lie to the kid fee doesn't like, fee doesn't like it and fee sees right through it and gets pretty upset well she also doesn't want to be like yes child ghosts are real now good night yeah true <laughs> true no i get it i get it but i i was like oh she she does fail with fee in this moment it does not hit for fee. and it's okay i think it's okay for her to fail here if he needs a a, a person in her corner at this time and her mom kind of hedges it so yeah. i can see why she's a little upset uh but then we get this awesome low budget but very creepy uh sequence yes so mom leaves uh and yeah. like good luck fee good luck uh and she <laughs> continues her search uh and she grabs her soda and takes a sip and when she does the thing that her brother said to her earlier maybe triggers a little bit in her mind and she sees the condensation on the top of the cup and rubs it with her finger and thinks about water <laughs> wet boy and then drowning <laughs> and she goes oh my god drownings in Chicago. She does her search. She finds the news of what was the uh, name of the sinking ship? The Eastland. The Eastland. The the Eastland. The sinking of the I had never heard of this accident, but it's a real, yeah, it's a real thing in Chicago. Google that shit. Google (laughs) it. I I did. It's apparently the biggest disaster in in the Great Lakes or like the biggest because it's like, oh, you're not, you're not an ocean liner. This isn't like the Titanic where it went out and got hit by an iceberg. This is just, the lake's not that big. You know what I mean? It's Uh just a sad, a sad tragedy. This boat had a record, like, on its first journey out, it, like, smashed into a tugboat and sank it, and, like, it had, there was a mutiny on board, and, like, there were all kinds, there was all kinds of cursed shit happening on the Eastland. There's also, yeah, to, again, they, they mentioned this, it wasn't out at water, it wasn't out, it was tied to the dock, and it rolled over. The safest oh a God. ship can be. Because <laughs> I was kind of confused during this part, I was like, wait, it's like, how are they experiencing the the, the boat sinking when they're on land, mm. oh, it's because it's because it happened right next to the shore. That's crazy. I didn't even know. I thought it was out at sea. I didn't know it was just tied up. So they show the picture in the beginning of it of it on its side. Yeah. They're showing pictures. So one of the good things that this show does is it uses a lot of historical footage in the beginning, um, mm-hmm. and then historical footage uh, now, which it then. Uh, in a way that I think any any adult that has made something uh, and understands how technology works would instantly see through. But for a good mm-hmm. scare effect, it's it's worthwhile that they do this. They're showing this footage. She's looking through. She finds the information about the Eastland disaster. She's looking through pictures of it. 
uh, and seeing the dead bodies, which I think is a fucked up thing to show on a kid's sh- kid show. We're seeing literal bodies being pulled out of water in pictures of people that have died in this and bodies being taken. I didn't in- even think about it. Yeah. I didn't even think about it because it was old timey. It's old timey. It's old timey. So it's a little <laughs> degraded and a little distant, right? So it doesn't feel as, as uh, graphic. Yeah. And so we, she's looking through the pictures and she, she's like, oh my God, this is it. This is the, and she sees from her window, she looks at the venue, which is across the street because she's in the bus. She sees mm. the exterior, which earlier in the episode we had a transition from where they did this thing. In the very beginning of the episode, she's talking about the Eastland disasters in a Ken Burns style. And the last shot is of a warehouse where they put all the bodies of, of the people that they pulled out of the water. And they fake it as if it were a photo where they have people staged standing by the warehouse. And what it does is it's shot in modern technology but they age it to make it look like it's a photograph and they have the Mm -hmm. people standing there just stand still as if they're in a photograph it transitions from the old style to a color style and they still stand they're still standing perfectly still then a car wipes across the screen bringing us to the modern time and showing us the modern exterior of the venue which we don't know we're in front of right now uh, where we don't know that we're going to right now. And that's when we go into the into the bedroom and we're taken away from it and we forget about it. But now we're brought back to that opening shot and she's looking out the window. She makes the connection. Oh my God, this is the go- these are the ghosts from the Eastland disaster. Paul, I just want to say, I love hearing you break down shots like that because it's so cool <laughs> to hear. Yeah. It's a really impressive bit of direction in this part and it really made me like appreciate what they're doing and again so here's the part where it kind of breaks down and i think it's fine it's a very it's an enhanced moment uh (laughs) yeah (laughs) there's a serious enhanced moment that occurs here and we can chalk it up to supernatural uh stuff but it but it's an enhanced moment she's going through the pictures after she makes this connection and she sees the boy that she saw earlier. She sees Wet Boy. Uh, yeah. Wet Boy. <laughs> well, he's not wet at the time of the photo. He's dry. This is a dry this boy. Is the, this is the origin story of Wet Boy. Uh, yeah, they see pre-Wet Boy. <laughs> pre-Wet Boy is standing there with his parents on the at the rail of a ship looking out. And the uh, this is where it gets unrealistic. This is the enhanced moment. It zooms in. The picture zooms in on his face, which is fucking weird. Yeah. But it's cool. It doesn't just zoom in on his face. He turns and yes. Zoolander's the camera. He's, he yeah. blue steals. And in a moment that, okay, it's not really scary, especially the second time watching it. But when I was watching it the first time, I was like, that's cool and creepy. Have you guys seen the movie Pulse? No. No. Is that one where the Wi-Fi is haunted? It's it's a haunted internet Japanese movie. <laughs> it's fucking great. Yeah. Um, this is a very Pulse-style moment. If you haven't watched the movie, the 2006 movie Pulse, do not watch the American version of it. I've, I've only seen the American one because Kirsten Bell is in it. Yeah, That's do, the only reason I watch it. Yeah. Do, do not watch that one. Watch the uh, original Japanese one. It's incredible. It, I will say it's incredible. I think it's a very, very good movie. Um. There are some really cool things he does with uh, digital footage in that movie and makes digital footage really scary. And I think this, in my opinion, probably was, I don't know, I think a little bit uh, in- influenced by it. But he, I think it's a scary moment. He turns, he blue yeah. steals, and it's creepy. Like, it, it's a great um, internet horror moment where, yeah. like, we think of the internet as stuff we just get things out of. But what if what if it's getting something out of us? Mm. Like, so it's something we experience. But what if it experiences us back? Yep. Then, you know, the kid turns and, like, the, you're like, oh, no, no, I thought it was a still image because I've been served only still images up to this moment. <laughs> and, like, the kid. It's like mouthing help me. Uh-huh. Very scary. I just want to say there's a constant refrain in the movie Pulse where 
the voices coming from the internet say help me constantly. So I don't know. I think Whoa. there's a little bit of a connection. I don't I think there's came out actually, you hold know, on, no. Pulse came out in two thousand and one after this. Never mind. Yeah, I'm just saying, yeah, Pulse wow. was newer. Pulse was influenced by Pulse was influenced by So Weird. I'm saying it now. What, wow. what Fee needed to do as soon as that happened, I know she freaks out, and then I think this is where her laptop gets thrown across the room. Well, um, well, her her laptop be- starts leaking. Yeah. Oh, that laptop's ruined no matter what. There's just like it's 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 crying like it's just it's just bleeding water. It's absurd. It's such a great low budget scare too because they just bring a hose up to the bottom of it. Uh-huh. Like it's yeah. Just- just flood that laptop. <laughs> it's just delivered so well. The presentation is what sells it. And it's just, it, the, the laptop is crying and it's like flooding with water and then it flies across the room and smashes into a million pieces. I, I guess, you know, as I was to suggest, I guess it wouldn't matter since the laptop got destroyed, but what Fee should have done in the moment that the ghost boy, you know, the JPEG. JPEG wet boy. Was haunted. She should have quickly right-clicked saved as and then trapped that ghost. <laughs> should right-click saved as, send a Dropbox. You know, get... Yeah, <laughs> isolate the ghost. <laughs> don't put him on the cloud. Wait, don't put him on the cloud. Then he can get onto all the other Oh, computers. that's true. I was going to say, learn file preservation fee, but maybe she was put doing a favor. Put him on a USB drive and then throw that in the ocean. Yep. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't do that. She just goes and gets uh, Jack and Clue. And she's like, we're going to go find a ghost boy, dweebs. He drowned and we're going to go find him. <laughs> it's so good because she runs in there. Jack is being Jack, which he's always doing. Jack does a great job in this episode of uh, having, like you said, I think like kind of a theatrical. He's like constantly quoting things. Like He does like a resistance mm. is futile. Uh, he eventually mm. does a check, please. And like yep. you, <laughs> you hate these things and you're supposed to hate them. And I think that like is what is really effective. And he's being that way when he sho- when she shows up with the proof that she has seen a ghost and she knows where the ghost came from. And Clue is ready to rock. Clue, who's eating <laughs> a burrito popsicle, uh, as he calls it, uh, is ready to go exploring. He throws off the robe and he's he's, he's like, let's go. The clue moment of him opening up a freezer and eating a frozen burrito and and Jack being like, we don't have a microwave. And he's like, that's fine. It's like a burrito sickle. I didn't know that was stoner humor at the time, but. Right. Well, even even Clue doesn't know it at the time that he's a stoner, but yeah. he will be a stoner. <laughs> he's destined for stonerdom. <laughs> uh, actually, you just something kind of realize the dynamic between, you know, Clue notwithstanding, like the dynamic between Fee and her brother is, is very much this is X-Files. I guess it just would be if you swapped the personalities with who's the skeptic and who's the believer, right? Mm, mm-hmm. He is like, no nonsense, I believe. So I guess she's kind of Scully, Scully's temperament with Mulder's belief. Yeah. And then Jack is the opposite. Yeah. He's the like, none of this is real. You're you're insane, but also check, please. Yeah. She got all the good qualities of both characters and he got all the bad qualities of both characters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess that's one way to look at it. I actually really <laughs> like how Jack is a doubter. Oh, you need it. You need it for the story. You need the skeptic to challenge it for sure. And, and uh, I guess a, a proto internet atheist. Right, right. He does have, <laughs> <laughs> he has um like empathy. Too like he, yeah. he's hiding some empathy behind. They, look, they're both going through some shit. Their dad passed away, uh, probably not too long ago. So there's some reason for his. Uh, I think maybe a little bit of his misplaced aggression, right? Sure. The the peak of that dynamic, which I think is then kind of the the next scene where they're heading into when they're exploring the the warehouse, is is really just them. We've already talked about this a little bit. It, it is again Jack challenging Fee to be like, none of this is real. When you die, that's it. Right. Which is yeah, a heavy man. thing to say in a kid's show. <laughs> but they are, again, they are talking about their dad. They yes. They're like, 
Jack is a little bit older, I think, and he has moved on or trying to move on. And mm-hmm. Fia is holding on to it's. It's so. In- I just assume that at some point in the show, the way that like in X Files it would be Mulder finding his sister. Mm-hmm. That in this version of the show of, of so weird, at some point they would like see their dad's ghost or something, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think they do more with the dad in season one and two. Like how he died is apparently mm. mysterious. Okay. Okay. It it they say it's a car accident, but it might not have been a car accident. Oh. Winter Soldier got him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh we get we get some more low budget scares with with a wet patch appearing on Fee's shoulder when she's separated from the the Scooby Gang and she's pulled off. The worst scare in this thing, a little piss panty uh in a way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, it's just kind of lame. It's but. a little it's a little pee pee pants a bit. Yeah, it's, it shows the extent of Wet Boy's powers. I love what a low-level ghost Wet Boy is. Um, he'll make you damp. He'll make you so damp. They'll ruin your 12-year-old life by making you piss your pants in public. <laughs> oh, my God. It's over after that. Oh. Uh, check, please. <laughs> so... Uh, she gets dragged off to the same dead end that she saw earlier. Now she can see through to the next room due to go- due to ghost powers. Yep. Her magnetometer, magno magnetometer, her ghost detector is going crazy. <laughs> and we get a nice little science moment where she's like, "My magnetometer is going crazy." And Jack's like, "You know, it has big magnets in it. Uh, speakers that the rock and roll band downstairs yep. is using. It's great. That. Maybe that's affecting your your device." And I'm like, "Oh, yeah." Oh, logic. That's a good way to, to yeah, teach teach kids that speakers have magnets. We have a learning moment within the children's program. It's beautiful. Magnets, how do they work? Clue Clue has the idea to go uh down and then up into the walled off mm-hmm, room. Mm-hmm. Which is a brilliant bit of uh spatial intelligence from Clue. Agreed. Clue's based. <laughs> best best character. He did voice Sid in Toy Story, but that's fine. I saw that. <laughs> I was shocked to find that he was Sid. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh interesting career this guy has had i wonder if he's done anything lately i hope he's alive <laughs> kevin uh eric von detten is fine uh he's a sales manager at a commodities brokerage firm so i guess he's just a normal guy now that's cool i'm glad he, i'm glad he's fine and alive so that's good okay bye brink is great best disney channel original movie is brink and it's based on a on a story about uh ice skating <laughs> what really it's based on a story called hans brinker <laughs> You're making you're making you're making no, fun of No, he's me. right. The novel Chad? Hans Bringer or The Silver Skates. Wow. Yep. Is Team Puppin Suds at all somehow in the original story? I don't believe so. <laughs> I believe that was yeah. an invention for the film. But okay. you can go you you can you can Wikipedia it yourself because it's a real thing that this was just based off an old timey like gift of the magi story, I guess, or whatever. Cool. Sick. Once the Scooby gang gets together, there's a lot of really funny dialogue. I love how I love how like they just kind of kind of pack some jokes into this really tense moment. Right. So they they get to like this this uh final destination level where they break in through the floor and you hear like a squeak and a scurrying and Jack goes, "What was that?" And Clue goes, "Rats, I bet. They're all over the city." <laughs> but they're more afraid of us than we are of them. I hope. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> and then we get a check please. Mm, check please. <laughs> And she's like, guys, we got to figure out why this 85-year-old kid is bullying. <laughs> I love I love this. I love I like this is the type of snappy dialogue I like. Yep. It's 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 a really good snappy moment. Jack and then we get Chad to your point. This is where they start to investigate and Jack pulls 
Fia's side and is like, listen, ghosts aren't real. When you die, you die. You're gone forever. There's nothing to, there's nowhere to say. And we know she, he, he's talking about her dad and she and he's like, let it go. And essentially he is trying to move on from their father's death. He feels that she is holding on and by holding on, holding him back from getting over it. And he just wants both of them to move on because it's a pain that they don't want to deal with anymore. But we never say we're talking about dad in this situation. It's never brought up directly, but I think a kid and a, an adult obviously will pick up on the subtext of this scene. It's such a raw line where he says, I hate this. I hate that you keep doing this. Yep. Yeah. It establishes like why Jack's been acting like such an asshole lately. Mm-hmm. It's because, yeah, Jack is just trying to move on. All this ghost stuff is really dredging up a lot for Jack. Right. And we get this line earlier from Clue. Where Jack's like, why would a ghost want to talk to you? And Clue's like, well, maybe uh, Fee's the first one who's willing to listen. Yeah. And we saw earlier how, like, the the manager of the club, like, just sort of was like, hey, I'm crying, kid. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> good, ghost is good for business. Uh-huh. Well, we'll get him out of the Hard Rock Cafe and come down here. <laughs> we see <laughs> the not sort Chicago of- at all. We're not even doing Chicago. Never mind. It's fine. <laughs> hey, it's me, Chicago Dave. Hey, <laughs> Hey, I'm Chicagoing over here. Hot dogs and pizza. <laughs> Just a Midwestern just really hurts me. (laughs) I'm sorry, Chad. Sorry to make light of the Midwest's one maritime disaster. (laughs) (laughs) The fee's the one willing to listen. We see how their father's death has closed uh, Jack off and how it's made Fee open up a bit. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to explore this idea of grief, of how it can change people. Maybe for good, maybe for ill, but it does change people. And grief is not like a thing you get over. It's a thing you continually have to process. This is a lot for a Disney Channel TV show, but like they're doing it so good. (laughs) They're doing it good. And they're not pandering to the kids. They're expecting them to keep up with the subtleties and the the backstory that is being threaded into this story of a a pretty traditional ghost story. You know, a a kid that was lost uh, and has been separated via via uh the after you know like an afterlife separation more so than a regular life separation right but then yeah we get into this scene about wet boy that legitimately made me tear up a bit yeah it's brutal so um jack is ejected from the room for being a non-believer uh clue is covered up with blankets as the room like we we think like some forces pushed this trunk over the uh, ladder leading up to the room but is that the room itself is capsizing like the boat that Wet Boy drowned on? It's a great moment of of highish production value for a uh, yeah. for a children's TV show where they actually have one of those rotating rooms, right? And they utilize it to. D- is that what you think happened there, or do you think they just put stuff on wires and pulled it? I think it was a. I think it was a room that was on like a lifter, right? And they they brought it up to like a 35, 45 degree angle and started pushing stuff down. Uh, around them yeah it was it was a pretty bland windowless room it was definitely it, it was probably definitely possible to just sort of build a stage version exactly of that and then put it on the lifter yep. yeah that's what i think it was they probably just had a forklift on the other side just like badly raising the whole thing breaking all the ocean violations <laughs> uh-huh, yep <laughs> so the room capsizes like a boat clue is covered taken out of the equation entirely mm-hmm. uh and then we see a face that we're not expecting to see. It's the face of like an older middle-aged guy. Yeah. Uh who's who's in distress. Uh we see him, he's like shouting and reaching. And 
we're kind of seeing this pastiche of this room and the Eastland as it's capsizing. And we see wet boy's parents being separated from wet boy, <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, the, all the sound has cut out. Right. Essentially. Right. Which was this your audio moment? Yeah. Paul? Yeah. So th- we see this scene play out and we're obviously witnessing the moment that wet boy fell to his death uh, during the mm. ship. And I'm assuming the parents also died because it seems like they were on the railing on the side yeah. where the where the ship was capsizing. Either that or they were on the opposite side and they fell into the water from there. Uh, and it's a very, very sad, very. And like we're seeing a moment very similar to the loss of. Uh, their father, right? Like we're seeing like this mm. this family be torn mm. apart by death. Um, it just so happens that everybody in this family dies as opposed to I mean I I don't know about you guys, but I assumed that the parents also died in the accident, but it's quite possible. I did too, yeah. It's quite possible that only the boy died. I it yeah, it almost makes more sense because there's a, all the stuff we talked about before of the Well, the, no one could identify him. They couldn't identify him, so it'd be yeah. easier to identify if they all if they all died. If they all died. Or it would be harder uh, to to identify if they all died because there wouldn't be the direct parents who could recognize him, right? Which I guess is implied. And given the huge casualty count of, of the eastland like 844 people died yeah like not a great not great odds for anyone mm-hmm. on that boat. <laughs> yeah it's it's a pretty big disaster and i i think that they all passed away so they we're seeing them die the boy falls as he slides past feet she reaches out and she grabs his coat and then he disappears and then mm-hmm. the spell breaks but there's this moment and this is the moment it we have this silence and then after this, we have a v- pretty long, like, I want to say, like, 30 seconds of Fee standing in the room with the jacket in her hand. And it's mostly silence, but there's, like, a creepy tone that's occurring and, like, a slight mm-hmm. musicality to the thing. Yeah, Almost, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I always say it. I fucking always say it. I'm sorry, but I'm going to say it here. Lynchian sound design <laughs> in this moment. <laughs> I love it. Also, also, not to clarify, yeah, she she pulls... His jacket from the spirit. Right. At, she like yeah. manifests. Right. She can touch. She can reach across. And we see that his name, Wet Boy, is written on the back <laughs> of his jacket. No, it's Brian McGivley. Uh, A.K.A. Wet Boy. AKA it's written, gotta hope I never die by drowning, it says on the back of the jacket. <laughs> Brian, quotation marks, Wet Boy, McGivley. <laughs> so Parentheses, the ghost that you saw. <laughs> Double parentheses, hey, you got any more of that orange soda? Hey, we didn't have orange soda in my time, and what boy could use a sippy? (laughs) (laughs) I haven't passed on because I want to taste a sweet, sweet orange soda. (laughs) Sweeter than apples. (laughs) So, Uh, and then we get we get a great we get a great joke at the end of this, just to break up the tension a little bit before another pretty heavy scene. Yeah, we we hear creaking, and Jack goes rat, (laughs) Clue goes ghost, and. He goes floorboards and uh, drops through the the room to see the green room that her uh, her mom and uh, uh, Clue's parents are waiting in. Yep. Uh, she's like, "Hey, mom, good luck at the show tonight. Good little, just a just, just a, a wacky little. a good little button, right? Bring us back to reality. We have the button, and then we move to the graveyard where we learn <laughs> that uh, Fee was able to uncover uh, Wet Boy's true identity mm-hmm. and. They are going to uh, move his plot to his parents' plot, um, move, move his unmarked grave to his parents' plot with his name on it, reconnecting their uh, re- their remains. And we have a, a reconnection of Jack and Fee in this moment as well. This is like the 
best argument for like this is just such a nice sweet thing to do and if you have jack's mentality of nothing matters after you die you there would you would not do this because what why why the fuck would you do something nice for a dead person Mm -hmm. that doesn't matter (laughs) yeah uh but he's like so you know so he can be with his mom and dad and it's just that is such a beautiful lovely human thing to do i don't know i i'm a little obsessed with with that idea of doing a nice thing for a dead person (laughs) i mean we should do nice things for alive people that should probably take priority sure but i I think it is a beautiful expression of humanity to do a nice thing for a dead person like reunite a lost child's corpse with his parents corpses (laughs) i agree i agree with you and uh i think jack recognizes that he uh the mom uh or sorry it's just jack and and her standing there and jack he um you know, he. I think he's a little touched by it, and he he says, you know, hey, mom asked me about um, how you were doing, and in in a, in a good uh, sweet older brother moment, says, don't worry, I didn't tell her anything. You know, I didn't tell her much, <laughs> but I would like to tell her the next time she asks that you're doing well. And <laughs> he begins to walk away. He pauses. He turns around, and he has a moment here where he does some fa- good facial acting. Uh, yeah. He considers, and he says, I think about dad too. And then walks away. Yeah, it's you can see the gears turning in his head, and he's like, you know, I I think it would help me to talk about this. Yeah, he's like, I think about dad a lot too, and it's great because he's been a dickhead for this entire episode, and he stays a dickhead in the sense that he doesn't say he's sorry. Right, he doesn't apologize, (laughs) so it leaves him a win. Let's not go crazy, Paul. No, 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 and that's beautiful. That's beautiful because it like allows him to still pick up the dickhead thread in the next episode to a certain extent. You know what I mean? A man only has three apologies in his life. You got to pick them carefully. (laughs) This is a good episode of TV. I I really, I really liked this. Yeah, yeah, and we have a a good ending where mom comes in, she closes the loop with her daughter, and then uh, there's I think one last really cool sequence where. Fee turns around, uh, having completed her job. She's walking yeah. away, and we see the three ghosts reconnected behind her. And she senses it and turns around again, and they're gone. And then episode ends. I love that she she doesn't get to see them. I like that we don't have like a, a wave moment or anything like exactly. that. It's just like a, 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 an acknowledgement of the hidden world. But the hidden world is special because it's hidden. Right. And, and, and maybe she'll discover more in the rest of the series of So Weird. Mm. Such a baller pilot episode. Dude. It's a solid pilot. Then Henry Winkler's name appears uh, to, to <laughs> let us know that we're in good hands for the rest of the season, right? To yeah. let us know we just got Winklered. <laughs> you got winked, bitch. I feel like nowadays this show would have had one big, like, series arc tease more on the data of, like, and then Fee sees the, the Shadow King in a dream. Uh-huh. <laughs> Shadow yeah. King or so, you know, something like that. Right. Apparently right. the later seasons did something like the, the third season, which doesn't have Fee in it, uh, did some weird shit where like there's a panther or something. I don't know. Yeah, I was reading about that. They swapped leads uh, because the lead actress Fee wanted to explore other roles. And then the new yeah. actress. And Clue leaves in season two to do a sitcom that died in its first season in a very sort of bojack horseman kind of twist. oh man T- tv's tv tv's tough uh yeah. we didn't talk about how you know when when ghosts uh when damp boy runs into the wall <laughs> uh-huh and she tucks the ectoplasm she says the titular line yeah, she goes so no weird way, I, just, oh, I fucking can't believe i just let this so weird wash over me <laughs> <laughs> 
And that, and that's the episode break too. Like it's great. I hope that she says so weird in every episode. Please me tell too, me that man. happens. I uh okay, so I know this is a bit of a departure. It's in the same wheelhouse as Goosebumps, but I know this is a bit of a departure. I yeah. really hope folks like this is this is just a good thing and I hope folks like watch it. If you already have a Disney Plus subscription, um you can watch on Disney Plus, but this has such a history of like piracy behind it because Disney did not make it available until, you know, a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh so so for 20 years of its life, like it basically existed as a as pirate only content. Right. You can still find all of so weird on YouTube if you don't want to pay for it. There's nothing illegal about typing something into a search box. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't want to give the mouse your money and you want to see something cool, I'm almost positive all the so weird episodes are in beautiful bad quality on, on beautiful YouTube. 480p out there. Yeah. <laughs> uh I do got to say I I was watching the episode and the next episode's title popped up and it was called Website but S I G H T which I thought was a <laughs> sick name for an episode and I have website. I don't know about you guys. I have personally have the ability to ha- of website where I can look at anything on the internet and know if it sucks instantly. Whoa, yeah. that's wow. the true website. I wish I had that. I would have saved a whole lot of my time. <laughs> Same. <laughs> hone your website people you can do it it's a skill that you can grow <laughs> i would absolutely love to talk about more episodes of uh so weird but o- only if like folks are uh like our listeners are interested in it yeah i think this is like a great show I think there are tons of episodes we could sort of single out to talk about, but uh, I recognize that this is a Goosebumps podcast, and it's not its not going to turn into a So Weird podcast. For sure. But if, if people were interested in more of this, I would certainly be willing to watch more. And, you know, if, if it's not for the main show, it's certainly a thing that we could cover on a Camp Goosebuds. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely going to probably watch... Uh, the rest of seasons one and two of my own volition. Well, I, I, I want to see that Winkler episode at the very least. Oh, <laughs> yes. Got to see the Winkler. I really want to see the Willow Wisp episode and the Tulpa episode again to bring up a Twin Peaks thing. Tulpas are oh, yeah. a cool creature. Yeah. There's a Bigfoot episode, I think, very early on in season one. Like The name of that it's... episode is Sacrifice. Oh, shit. That's a dark name for a Bigfoot episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> They killed the Bigfoot. Oh, that's kind of metal, dude. Overall, watching this seemed like I was watching something that was targeted at my nostalgia, but it was just trying to be of the moment. Right. Like, the, the, all this old, like, internet stuff, like, the, the, fo- the, the, the folk rock, and, like, it, it just wanted to sort of express a moment. But looking back at it, it just feels like it's like coming at me for like the things I was specifically nostalgic for. Like it was recreated just to do that. It is a beautiful time capsule of the late 90s, early 2000s for sure. Yeah. And and the fact that it's just three seasons, 1999, 2000, and then something terrible in 2001 <laughs> is very um, evocative of the time, I feel. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Limitless potential. Everything's going to be amazing. Oh, shit. Future's canceled. <laughs> I think that's been an episode of Goosebuds. Yeah. Yeah, I think we, uh, yeah, I think we, we didn't bump, but we butted today. We, we butted.
Hey, if you want to uh, support the show and get access to bonus content like our monthly episodes of Camp Goosebuds, like maybe where we'll talk more about uh, So Weird and other uh, – maybe we'll talk more about VHS media, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash goosebuds. Uh, you can pledge and also get access to our Discord and vote on what books we're going to read next and a bunch of other cool things. It's a real, real nice community over there. Join us. Patreon.com slash goosebuds. Join our Discord. You can you can join our Discord if you give us a dollar, and that's a pretty good deal because the Discord's pretty cool. Sometimes I accidentally post in the wrong channel in Discord because <laughs> I'm a grandpa and I don't understand how Discord works. <laughs> but um that's always fun. <laughs> <laughs> Be there. Uh, Kevin, you got a you got a game jam going on right now, right? I have a game jam going on right now. It's going to the end of the month. Um, if, if you want to join, it's very chill. Uh, you, you do not have to be working the whole month. In fact, I prefer you don't. Uh, but if if you want to make something as sort of a guided creativity exercise, you can check us out at jam at supertrystudios dot com. Doesn't have to be a game; it can be anything you want. Uh, I'm making a game about anti gravity skateboards. Uh, it looks and, so cool. It does yeah. look very good. The 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 gifts and videos i've seen of it have looked so fun oh thanks guys yeah it's it, it's coming together really nice uh and i'm having a lot of fun working on it and uh, i just put up a a work in progress build for my patrons to play uh if you want if you want to give me some some money on the givekevinmoney.com you can play my stuff there are also other secret games on there i'm trying to show off more this year there's a whole podcast i haven't released from my patreon yet but i make really cool things on my patreon um if you want to support me at givekevinmoney.com I'd, I'd really appreciate it kevin do you have a name for your your game you're working on yet um i i was gonna call it oh, a michael p sunglasses pro skater is <laughs> <laughs> the name of the game yeah cool okay never mind that's that's much better than i was gonna Dad, let me hear it. it was a box since it was a box looking character i was gonna say gleaming the cube <laughs> okay. I, not, I thought you were going to say Tony Box for a <laughs> <laughs> It's also good. Paul, anything you want to anything you want to plug or mention? I like that Diver's Dream episode you all just put up on Continue. Actually, yeah, it was very fun. I, I gotta say, um, we've been having a lot of fun over on Continue. Um, we always have fun over there, but I feel like recently we've been having a lot of fun in that uh, I've been forcing the boys, uh, Josh and Nick, my co-host, have continued to uh, play Japanese games with me. Uh, because I've been learning <laughs> Japanese and I have uh, just just enough, I think, to be able to like stumble through now and find stuff, you know, figure out how these games work. So we've been doing That's a little so bit cool. more of that. And we just played a game called um, Diver's Dream, which was which is all in English. So it wasn't a, an issue, but it's a cool Japanese game. Uh, and then we got a game coming up probably after this episode or sorry, it'll, it'll be out before this episode goes up, but it'll be out when you when you hear this. Uh, a game called Poppin' Tanks, which uh, is a real goofy time. It's like a cartoony twisted metal in Japan. It's cool. That sounds, that sounds fun. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I've been loving all the Japanese uh, games you've been reviewing, like Kaze no Notam. Oh. It was like super cool, the ballooning game. I just bought the vinyl for that. It just was re-released in Japan, and I'm having it shipped <laughs> from Japan to me. Uh, spent too much money on that, but it's going to be worth it. Dude, 
You gotta treat yourself. Sometimes you gotta no, treat I'm yourself. I'm still not sure what the egg game you played. I'm still not sure what the objective was of that game. Uh, no one does, and it might be better Wait, off you that have we to don't. Be, you have to be specific on which egg game. No, the one that's just called egg. <laughs> is the one where you roll the egg and you and you like it's in circle territory? Yeah. It's like an that. RTS or something with an egg. I didn't understand it. I, I, I took one look at that game and I was like, I understand this perfectly. <laughs> well, of course, you have the second sight. I get it. <laughs> that's my website <laughs> if any of these sound interested to you please check out uh youtube.com slash continue show you can also support us on patreon there it helps me stay alive uh it doesn't help chad and kevin stay alive uh, <laughs> but if you're if you're helping uh, us already and you're helping kevin already and you got a little bit more money and you want to help someone stay alive feel free to do that on our patreon or if well. you only like paul don't i would hate to say i'm not going to say that but if chad can <laughs> I mean, however you want to express that, as long as it's not mean to me. If you're giving Paul yeah, money, yeah, I say like please that. don't be mean to me. I'm very sensitive. Be nice. You got man. enough people being mean to me on the internet. You yeah, don't have to pile yeah. On. Be nice, everybody. Just be nice. That's my that's my suggestion for the week. Be nice. Hell yeah, dude. Be nice. All right, guys. Uh, until next time, I'll I'll see you then. All right, bye everybody. Don't call it content. Bye everybody. This episode of Goosebuds is brought to you by our wonderful Patreon supporters, especially those in the Book of Names. The Book of Names. Starting with Stefan Jive Turkey Kuwabara. Hollis Hornbeak. Low Belly Hate Me. Cameron Murphy Audio. Michael McDowell. Hey Josh Rob. Mickey C. Nathan Dolezal. Buddy Morrill. Allocade. Mel Dipson. Afshin, Brian Wells, Zentacles, Stealth Bates, Robert Moon, Jason Crooker, Clay Castle, Miguel Pardo, John Keaty, Calf, Peace Shop, <laughs> Adrian Roses, Gregory D. Warren, Alan Saylor, Cody Redfield, Bradford Coulter, Aiden Alexander Dice, Jar Jar Slinks, Chosen One pledges his cadre of musketeers to House Kevin. A whole cadre. An early lead for House Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Do they reset every month? Is that what happens? Oh, uh, <laughs> Levi Than. Up and Champ. Yoda Segman. Carl. Anthony Mulberry. The John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. That'll be the real decider when they weigh in and pledge. They're a nonprofit. They can't pick. They're like <laughs> they Sweden. They're not allowed to pledge. Elusive Koala. Yanni Markovina. Brooke X. Beezus Christ. Christian Van Skiver. Drew Applegate. Jeremy Lowe. Brian Hobgood. Zach Connor. Patreon underscore donator, comma, yo. Joe Spooky Digital Ghost, Tierney. Tom Whittem. Alicia Grafe. Andrew Jadzik encourages everyone to watch Joe Parra Talks with you, especially Kevin. The Fall Drive episode is lovely. I may have added something there. <laughs> I still haven't watched it yet. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's not okay. Lord Cornwallis. Carson Birkenbean. Murph E.P. Tevin Ticklebean doesn't trust dragons or any other wealth hoarders. Smart. Are mm -hmm. dragons the 1%? <laughs> In many ways, yes. Sean Minogue. Rushy Glenn. Wiggle it. Luke LaFountain. Chip Handsome. Matt McClellan. John Barber. Jonas Blatterman. Sarah Kemp. Tanya Turtle. Juan Jalapena. Paul Grasso. Joe Regular Name Scott. Keith Halcrow. Timothy Misadalakis. Clay McCarty. Alex Moon. The Robotic Dog. Parker Lee. Ham underscore Boat. 
Raymond Hernandez. Flamoy. The Crowfens, but Hibernal. Matthew Sutton. Vincent Modica. Luke Knoodles. Jeffrey Owen Coy. Hugh Bolin. Zambambino. Kelsey Kinnaman. Russell Kasberg. Javier Jimenez. Chris Putrakis. Scotty Pippen. <laughs> Brendan Arifin. Dungeon Kappa. MC Hamster pledges his gills to Kevin. Fuck. MC Hamster, I was critical of the gills before, but they've been working out for us. <laughs> <laughs> Zach Weir. Limp Duck. Stinklitch. Nathan Remick. Need more kimchi. Alan G. Jessam. Tobias Clark. Reed Steubendike. Joey Evans. Andre Villanueva. Carewise Gamgee. Swaggy Hill Esquire wants you to know that I love you all. If anybody wants hugs, HMU. That means hit me up. Cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the hugs. Thank you for the translation, Kevin. Cameron Hansen. Estamena, Lord of Paul's Pants. Chris pledges his spectral sleepwear erection and blade to Paul. And blade. And blade. Paul Nelson. That was the, the, the middle part was... Yeah, What's the plot? Get it. Generally depressing. The deadly bulb. Ben Bohan. Kieran McNamara. Diet soda. Jackie Ledoux. Coleman Laguza. Lamb. Anthony will be running Space Kings at San Japan <gasps> in Texas over Labor Day weekend. Heck yeah! Yeah. May the cards be in your favor. A pair of Scots. Levi Kidder. David Gray. Jonas Evan Voldson. Calamity Carl. Germ Juice. Bryce Diuri. Matthew Bertato. Nick Johnson. Carbson. I am Cornholio. I need TP for my bunghole. Stephen Day. Boney. Dr. Diarrhea. Some of Chad's bird friends. We pledge our talons and sharpened beaks to Chad. Yeah, your superiority. You can keep the bone mouths. I don't care. The bone <laughs> I think everybody's a bone mouth. <laughs> That's true. Oh my god, I never thought about that. Bone lips. You can keep the bone lips. Nicholas Maloney. Ryan Carroll. Jeremy Bowser. Burgers Crunchy PB. Yes, it is still edible. Do not check the expiration date. Never check the expiration date. That's a that's a life hack. Yeah. Nothing can hurt you. <laughs> if you don't know it, it can't hurt you. Mind yeah. over matter. Eric Horwitz. Tiffany Lee. Ninja Breadman. Dr. Egg Drop Soupman. Thomas Jancis. Megan McCormick Mason. Peanut Berg, level 69. Lucretia McEvil. Mutant Astronaut. Helodicus Frenchlin. Aaron Lord. Henry Torbert. Dr. Chocula. Adam Knapp. Moon Juice. Logan Derby. Brad Schmelzer. Chick. Hood Lemon. SSJ Trogdor. Calum. Mr. Misfire West. Mandy Nasty. Lamalad. Skeletore. Yoplin. Philip Reynolds. Chicago Frank returns. <sighs> Napit G. Mike Spaghetti Jones. Ryan R. Davis. Scott Wable. Mr. Unimportant pledges his fake doctorate to whoever calls dibs. Dibs. I don't ah, care. He's so good at calling dibs. It's just paper. <laughs> I don't care. He is good at dibs, though. That's why, that's why he gets so many pledges. I want to hate him, but he's great at dibs. Rocco. Josh Howell pledges his <gasps> shield and zealotry to Paul because he met him first, also because go birds. There's your air superiority. That's right, baby. We will peck you out of the sky. Evan Bowen. Chris. <sighs> <Okay. laughs> Donzig versus Sean Astin. The battle for Paulie Shore's soul begins now. <laughs> Don't even understand what that's referencing every time, but I like it. Nope. I feel like it didn't used to be capitalized. Yeah. Greg Musto. Soggy Newspapers. Chris Kulik. Dakota Kemp. John W. Saturn Video. Hi, first time, long time. Allie Rose. Sprinkle Buns. Kiwi of Lerv. 
Serial Killer X. Wade Norcross. Hilda B. Kevin, your escaped monkeys are watching you and your monkey <gasps> shines. Ugh. <laughs> Benjamin Luther. Sira Sin. Ali Sutz. Kate the Great. Mike Hart. Dennis Wright. Jover the Moon. Edgars Crassus. Cameron Ganzevald. Cassandra Harris. Gulliver. Matt Scepter. Greg Gervasi, a.k.a. Vitizen. Dakota Gipper. Paul's peener gets a misdemeanor for slapping a senior tonight at 11. Ugh. Paul. Paul. I, I, my peener has a mind of its own. I can't control it. <laughs> That's true. It calls dips. Anthony Rodriguez. B. B. That's you. <laughs> That's B. B. B? B. That last name was my favorite. That's why I said it over you. Soap. Big Nick Lane. Kira and Brian are big fans. Jeff Webb is still a big baby, but we both sincerely appreciate your well wishes. Alpaca acquaintance pledges their wool to Paul. Make <gasps> socks, not war. Aww. Oh, it's a comfy Aww. war. The blade of the goblin grater is pledged to robot voice. Chad Quant. Yeah, wow. we, got the, we got the ground. We got the little mines and the tunnels. Wow. Chiraku, the thing that goes doink in the anime. Blake, bad time having Kevin. Dan Antonio. After some soul searching, I pledge my spear to Archmage Paul. Wow, I didn't know I'd become an Archmage. Sick. Good for you. Thanks, man. Spencer Y. James Stavernos. The Arndir. CM. Farah. Official Goosebuds Chronicler and Ledgerman. I think there's no other name attached to it. It's just the title. <laughs> I gave them that. I don't remember where. I think I did it on the Discord or something. Yeah, that's right. You didn't consult with us, but it's fine. It's already on paper. Jesse. Chris Curto. Cole Gleason. Tan, your hide. Matthew Pipes. Jesse Boggs. Michael Malloy. Grab Comics. Kyle O'Neill. Ghost Bitch. <laughs> Robert Holden. Goon Cahoots. Adam Brundell. Wunderskin. Anthony Stoker. Dog Lips underscore Kajoyan. Gunner Toland. Brony Danza. Sorry, Brony underscore Danza. Thank you. Brandon Nichols. Angelo Edward Longton Santone pledges the holy blade of justice to Paul. Ah, smellities. Max. Zendane. Funny. Paul sentient my buddy doll. <laughs> Her, a.k.a. Cyberbully. <sighs> Crank to high voltage. Welcome to the Book of Names, Blarbin. Your name is written blood, Lumo Nuva. Welcome, Brian Yudith. All will remember forever, Logan Kilgus. The book glows as I write in Boss Ferrati. <laughs> <laughs> when welcome to Cameron Reynolds. Thank you all very, very much. We love you all. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Okay, bye. Bye. Okay, bye. Thank you for the blades.